Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. And go check us out at sportsgarden.com as well. And hey, every Sunday, 100 stations across America, you can listen to us on Wannabet Weekend Edition. Guys, it's here. Football is officially here, and I'm not talking about week zero in college football. No, no, no. Week one, college football is finally here. We have games on Thursday, games on Friday, games on Saturday, slew of games on Saturday. We have a game on Sunday, and we have a game on Monday. So the next five days are going to be absolutely jam-packed with football. I want to start it right there, and we'll start it off Thursday. Akron takes on St. Francis at 6 o'clock, but... We're going to get into the games that people will actually go out there and try to find some angles for. Oklahoma State, Central Michigan, it's 21, 21 and a half. The total sitting at about 60. Look, I, I look at this Oklahoma State team, and I know that they're ranked 12th. I don't think that they should be ranked that high. Central Michigan is a dangerous, dangerous underdog. It's a dangerous underdog because of what they can do. Now, I do think that this is going to be kind of a ball control kind of game. I lean the under in a spot like this. Because I think that Central Michigan could kind of keep it you know, closer than we think. I don't love laying the 21 and a half. To me, this is like a 17-point spread. It's gotten bet up because of Oklahoma and because of their preseason ranking. So be careful with this one. A lot of people jumping all over Okie State, and the line is rising. Central Michigan is absolutely no pushover in this game. The backyard brawl, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, in pit. Uh, well, the, the obvious is they're still seven and a half point favorites but they are missing Kenny Pickett. Now, I think that this Pittsburgh offense is fantastic. I think that they can be very, very good this year, but I do think it takes time. I'm among the belief, and you'll hear me say this a couple of times during this segment here, this this show today. As you've heard me say in the past, I'm under the belief that we can't prop somebody up so, so, so high, whether it be a coach, a coordinator, or a player. You can't prop somebody so high up, and then they leave and you go, oh, it's going to be okay. No, no, you have to feel some kind of loss here with, uh, again, Kenny Pickett. Now, it's only seven and a half. This should be maybe a 10 line in most people's minds. I think that this is just one of those slugfests, one of those games where I don't want to be a part of it because of just the nature of the backyard brawl. Tennessee takes on Ball State. I think Tennessee, look, Hernan, okay, the the quarterback for Tennessee is going to be fantastic this year. He just is. I think he's going to be in the Heisman running. I was pumped up for him to just absolutely explode. And I think he explodes on day one against Ball State, a Ball State team that really can't get it out of their own way. Ball State was really terrible last year. Uh, They should be absolutely rung up here by Tennessee. But this line opened at 33, 33 and a half. It's up to 36 in some spots. People are coming all over Tennessee. I get the infatuation in Tennessee. I get they have an explosive quarterback, and it's fun to bet on that. This is one of those, be careful. UCF, South Carolina State. Here's another one. South Carolina State, nobody gives them a second look. UCF against South Carolina State. This should not be on most people's boards, but I wanted to make a mention of it because I don't think South Carolina State is as bad as people are making them out to be in this spot. There's a reason why the line isn't astronomical. There's a reason why, you know, this line is sitting in the low 30s. I do think it will get eventually closer to 40. Um, but you look at the South Carolina State, they have a really good front seven. They have a good front seven that they can absolutely get after it here. 
UCF is going to try to run the ball. UCF is going to try to kind of just make sure that they control the clock. I don't like games like that if I'm laying a big number. the big Look, the number may not be 40, but it's still 30. Again, kind of leaning towards most of these underdogs here. How about Toledo against LIU? Well, here's a game. I like the over, and I absolutely like Toledo. Uh, Toledo's 43, 44, depending on when you're looking. This could get up to 45 or 46, but the total is kind of sitting around, standing at 51. Over the last six seasons, Toledo against FCS opponents, which is exactly what this is going to be, have averaged 51 points. I think Toledo scores 50. I mean, you look at what this offense can do, what they have done last year. LIU is not going to be able to stop them. LIU is not getting in their way, right? LIU is a team that you look and you go, okay, how can how can upsets be caused? Or how can covers be caused? Well, Toledo had the least turnovers, only seven turnovers all year last year. Toledo put up 49 against Norfolk State, 45 against UMass. They put up 49 against Bowling Green, 49 against Akron. 49 against Eastern Michigan at the end of the year. They put up 49 or more points in three of the last four games of the regular season. This team is going to put up about 50. And that's why, look, you may not like laying 45, and I don't blame you, but can LIU get you anything? Can they get you anything? Because if they can get you anything, the over is the look here. Hey, Toledo might be able to get the over by themselves. Wake Forest VMI, I won't touch this game because Wake Forest is missing their starting quarterback. I think he is a star starting quarterback as well. I want to see how Wake Forest responds. Penn State, Purdue. I think Purdue is the home team not getting money, scratching your head kind of factor. And people expect Purdue to be pretty good this year. And Purdue could be better than Penn State. Is this a line that Penn State's three and a half point favorites strictly because their name is Penn State and they're expecting to get that kind of money? I do think so. Uh, you go down the list, Northern Illinois, Eastern Illinois. I actually think Eastern keeps that one a little bit close. UAB, Alabama, AM, Missouri, Louisiana Tech. Again, Louisiana Tech getting almost three touchdowns. They're a team. They have a lot of pride down there, and they are a good program. Something to keep in mind. Minnesota, New Mexico State. New Mexico State look like pure garbage. And I think Minnesota's defense is really going to come to play this year. I think this is a surprising year for Minnesota. They're laying 36 and a half, though. Too rich for my blood. Northern Arizona, Arizona State. I'm seeing scores where Arizona State should absolutely humiliate this Northern Arizona team. I don't know. I, I need to see it first. That's a stay away from me. Fresno State, Cal Poly. I do like Fresno State. Uh, they're not a team that really runs up and down and destroys teams, but I do kind of lean them. And Portland State, San Jose State. Oh, Portland State can keep this one close. San Jose State, another kind of team. They're just the style that they play. They don't blow teams out. That's your Thursday night slate of games. We move on to Friday. Michigan State, Western Michigan. Michigan State's now up to 23-point favorites. It was 20, 20 and a half, 21. It's at 21 for a while. Now it's jumped over. Here's another one. Western Michigan is not going to be a pushover. I know the Michigan State backers are going to be there. I know everybody's going to love Michigan State. Western Michigan's not going to be a pushover in this game. I don't love them, but if it gets up to 24, I think I'm going to have to take them. Eastern Michigan, Eastern Kentucky, uh, the underdog makes a little sense here. Old Dominion, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is only eight-point favorites over Old Dominion in Virginia, in Ballard Stadium, which is Old Dominion's home. Why is it eight points, right? I mean, isn't the world going to jump on Virginia Tech here? Yeah, they probably are. I kind of like Old Dominion. I think Virginia Tech is one of the weaker teams. They are not returning a lot of stars. Old Dominion is a team that is the underground. Now, if you're going to take this, if you're going to take the eight, might as well sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I don't know if I'm going that hard into it, but if you are, look, if this one starts getting away from Virginia Tech, you could really get away from them. Charlotte, William & Mary. Charlotte looked terrible last week. They'll correct a lot of things here. Duke Temple. Duke's a seven-point favorite. He's another live dog in Temple. Uh, Temple had a down year last year, but there's nothing that says Duke should be a, a touchdown favorite against anyone. Kansas against Tennessee Tech. Kansas is always on watch. Always got to watch out for. Yeah, they're a good team this year. They're like four touchdown favorites, and I understand why. I think Kansas is going to be a better team than people anticipate, but I can't lay four touchdowns. Not with Kansas. No way. I got to see it first. Indiana, Illinois. IU minus three here, and that's uh, Indiana at home minus three. It's a proverbial throw them up their line. I like the fact that Illinois already has a game under their belt. I like what I saw in Illinois with that game under their belt. They are 1-0, so this could be a fun game. And then TCU Colorado on Friday night. I've said it all along, and I told you guys all along. I think Colorado's going to be awful. Now, when TCU opened up and they were 10, 10 and a half, I was on TCU. It's up to 14 in some spots, and just the steam money coming in, I've got to stay away. TCU has a lot of new parts. I think Colorado's going to be terrible. 
Okay, don't get me wrong. But TCU has a lot of new moving parts. They have a lot of new systems there. They have a lot of new culture there. I just don't like to bet on that kind of thing when I'm laying now two touchdowns. Let's go to Saturday. Texas A&M all over Sam Houston State. Sure, Sam Houston State, uh, they're actually a pretty decent team if you're looking at this. But, but I mean, come on, Texas A&M, they're the number six-ranked team in the country. It's hard to bet against them. If you're giving me 40-plus points, though, uh, maybe Michigan, Colorado State, Michigan's 30 point favorite there. A lot of new, new, new moving things in Michigan. We know that Harbaugh named a quarterback or did he? We're not really sure. I, I, again, I don't feel comfortable laying 30, but it's in Michigan. It's in Ann Arbor. It's in the big house. You, you almost have to do it. NC State, East Carolina. Here's an interesting line because North Carolina State's ranked 13th in the country. There are only 11 and a half point favorites over East Carolina in East Carolina. We know East Carolina's going to be partying. They're going to be drunk by like, uh, you know, I don't know, 8 a.m. That's that day. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. North Carolina State coming in, yeah, they're on upset alert. They're on upset alert. And the line makers are telling you that by only giving them an 11, 11 and a half point spread. UConn, Central Connecticut. UConn running back last week ran for 190 yards on 20 carries. 190 yards on 20 carries. They're going to blow out Central Connecticut, start that new thing in East Hartford. Okay, let's get excited for this UConn team. Iowa, South Dakota State. South Dakota State's always tough. Iowa, they just don't blow people out. I don't care where it is. If it's in Iowa City, it's, it's Kirk Ferentz. They don't blow people out. They don't have the offense to do it. That could be a live dog there. Maryland, Buffalo, 24-point spread for Maryland against Buffalo. Rutgers, Boston College, pretty good ACC against the Big Ten matchup here. ACC team at home, Boston College, their seven-point favorite. I need to see these two teams. I'm hearing a lot of good things, a lot of good stuff coming out of the program, but I need to see them. Hey, how about a fun line here? North Carolina at Appalachian State. UNC's only a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Boone, North Carolina, going to be hosting the UNC, the mighty UNC Tar Heels, who didn't look so mighty last week. Yeah, sure, they put up 56. They led up into the 20s against a team that they should have absolutely squashed. Appalachian State's going to run the ball. They're going to run it down their throat. They're going to be able to control the clock here. I think this is a really smart spread. Everyone's going to be jumping on North Carolina. Navy, Delaware, so still a rebuild in Navy. Uh, people calling this maybe Ken Neil Montemonto's worst team that he's got, but it's Delaware. Virginia against Richmond, Air Force, Northern Iowa. I think Air Force is going to be a lot better than people think. I, I think Air Force is going to be one of those teams that sneaks up on people, and they could be a problem. Iowa State, Southern Missouri, Missouri State, UCLA against Bowling Green. Bowling Green is absolutely atrocious, yet they're only a 23-point underdog in UCLA, UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I think if you like UCLA to compete this year in the back 12, they've got to blow out Bowling Green. They're, they're a terrible team. Here you go, highlight game. ABC TV, Georgia against Oregon, number three against number 11, and the money is pouring in on Georgia. Georgia lost 15 players to the NFL draft. That's an all-time record, and their number opened up at minus 17. It's minus 18 and a half in some spots. I don't think that this gets much higher, but you're giving a lot of points to an Oregon team. Georgia, look, they should win the game, and everybody loves Georgia. Everybody loves the SEC. I get it. Uh, this is a lot of points. I know Oregon's going through a little transition as well, but you lost 15 players and top players at Georgia. I don't feel comfortable with that. UTEP last week, I gave you guys one play. I gave you UTEP under with North Texas. UTEP's offense looked absolutely pathetic. Now they got to go up against Oklahoma, 31 and a half point spread. Miami, Bethune, Cookman, we know how that's going to turn out. Arkansas, Cincinnati, here's another good highlight game of the day. Arkansas, 19th ranked, six-point favorite at home against number 23-ranked Cincinnati. Here we go. I told you guys you would hear me say this. We can't sit back and talk about how great Desmond Ritter was in college and how amazing he was last year and how great he was for Cincinnati, and then he goes away and you go, no, nah, it's going to be fine. Arkansas is a real good team. They're going to run the ball all day. Their offensive line can absolutely abuse Cincinnati. Watch them on the ground. This could be a blowout win by Arkansas if they get that ground game working, which I think that they probably will. Houston UTSA, Houston's only a four-point favorite there. That's an interesting spread as well. Houston, number 24-ranked team in the country. Nobody knows anything about Texas San Antonio. Interesting underdog. San Diego State, Arizona. San Diego State, six-point favorite against Arizona. New things are supposed to be happening there. How about Nebraska, North Dakota? I, I mean, Nebraska's got to fire their coach. We know that, but are they going to come back? They got no time. They were in Ireland like, like just a couple of days ago. They were in Ireland. They had to fly back home, fly all the way to Nebraska off of a loss. They got to be down. Now they're laying a huge number to North Dakota. This is going to be a telltale sign of this coach and this coaching staff, Scott Frost. How does he come out? How does this team come out? It's very easy for them to come out flat. In Ireland, long trip, didn't get a, a really good sleep for a couple of days, didn't get into a normal practice. Now you got to lay big number of money against North Dakota after losing a game over there in the fashion that you lost. This is a telltale sign. Marshall, Norfolk State, Wyoming, Tulsa, Tulsa six-point favorite on the road. 
Ole Miss, Troy, Ole Miss 22-point favorite, BYU, South Florida. BYU 12-point favorite on the road to South Florida. South Florida's supposed to have a bad year this year. And BYU ranked 25. BYU, I think, it can very well be a lot better than people anticipate. And they're already at 25. That, that could, it, it's one of those interesting lines. Cal, UC Davis, South Alabama, Nichols, Nevada, Texas State. And this is a pick Nevada looked terrible last week. They looked absolutely terrible last week. How could anybody go out there and throw money on them? USC against Rice. People loving USC. 33 and a half against Rice at home. It's the debut. Brand new coach. Brand new culture. They have got to put the spanking down on Rice. 33 and a half is a lot of money, though. Georgia, Southern, Morgan State, Ohio, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic giving four on the road there. Middle Tennessee, James Madison, JMU, minus five and a half. That should be a pretty good battle. Utah, Florida. I like this game. It's in Florida. Utah's minus two and a half. The number uh, number seven team in the country is only giving two and a half against Florida. Why? Well, it's in Gainesville. They're the SEC. They're going to be in prime time. I think people are forgetting how good Utah is. Utah's ranked seven for a reason. I'm not just going on the ranking. I like Utah to win the Pac-12 this year. They are effectively a really good coach team. They don't make mistakes. They have good line play on both sides of the line. Florida, they can be something this year, but people aren't expecting that much because there's a lot of turnover. Now, they do have an exciting couple of pieces. I kind of like Utah on the road here. Baylor, Albany, Wisconsin, Illinois State, Kentucky, Miami. Kentucky is a 17-point favorite at home there. Auburn, Mercer, Elon, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, a huge win. They're back in Nashville. That could be interesting against Elon. Kansas State, South Dakota, Army, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, who's made money for us for years here. They're only minus two against a good Army team, and Army's made a lot of money too. You know what? This is where game's going to be. Run, 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 run. And you go, okay, everyone's going to run. Everyone usually plays pretty good defense. Coastal Carolina plays pretty good defense. Now, they can open up on offense, but Army's going to drain the clock. It's 53 and a half. That's something to pay attention to. Liberty Southern Miss. Liberty's minus three. UMass Tulane. Tulane's minus 28 and a half against UMass, who just can't seem to get out of their own way. Louisiana, Southern Louisiana, Arkansas State, Grambling. Alabama. Yeah, you knew that this line was just going to keep going up. It opened up in the 39s, up to 42. 42 42-point favorites against Utah State at home. Utah State, hey, they got a win under their belt, but they got to go to Alabama. That's a near impossible task. Mississippi State, Memphis, Mississippi State, 16. South Carolina, Georgia State, South Carolina State, uh, South Carolina minus 12 and a half. North Texas, I just talked about it against SMU. SMU's 11-point road favorite there. Uh, North Texas with a real convincing win. They could be a good team this year. Talked about this with UNLV uh, in game three. I think a lot of people are going to be betting on UNLV. I think North Texas is better than people think. How about Ohio State, Notre Dame, the game of the week here? Number two against number five. Ohio State is now 18-point favorites against the Golden Domers. Look, here's what we know about Ohio State. They're going to throw, 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 score, score, score. Their offense might set every single record this year because their offense set all the records last year and it was full of a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Now they're a year older, and I think that this offense just cannot be stopped. With that being said, I do have some defensive questions. 18 points is a lot to lay against Notre Dame. Now it's a new coach. It's a new energy. It's a new feel. It doesn't mean that it's going to equate to success on the field. I can't touch this game one way or the other. If there's anything, I'll look at that over 59. Stanford, Colgate, Texas Tech, Murray State, Texas, UL Monroe, Texas with their new head coach, 30, uh, new quarterback, I'm sorry, that the coach named 38-point favorites, yet the over-under is only 64. Oh, they're expecting the Texas defense to step up. Syracuse, Louisville, Louisville, four-point road favorites, Maine, New Mexico, Idaho, Washington State, Oregon State, Boise State. Oregon State's only a three-point favorite there. Boise State, maybe they were not what they once were. Going to Corvallis is always tough. That's a, a good late night game to keep an eye on. And then Hawaii, Western Kentucky. I thought Hawaii was going to be able to figure some things out and have some kind of offense with Chang, the new head coach there. Uh, I did think it would take some time, but not not the beatdown that they took against Vanderbilt. Western Kentucky looked bad in a win. Western Kentucky is a 17-point favorite on the island. Oh, call me somebody that thinks that Hawaii is probably going to correct a few things there on Saturday night. Well, how about Sunday LSU against Florida State. This is one of those lines that I just don't get. Look, I live with a Florida State alumni. I have been told I'm a big Florida State fan a lot. But this is one of those spots where if LSU is minus six, I might have jumped on LSU. It's it's Kelly. He's new. Again, the new enthusiasm. It's at the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans. It's basically a home game for LSU. Everything is pointing to LSU. And they're only a three-point favorite. Three-point favorite against a Florida State team that, yeah, sure, they got the win. They look great running the ball, and they look really good in the defensive backfield, but they didn't get a pass rush, and I still don't believe in Travis. 
I don't know why this line is three. Now that the line is three, I'm scratching my head and I'm going, hmm, is there some value there with Florida State? Interesting. And then finally on Monday, Clemson against Georgia Tech. If you guys have been listening, one of my biggest bets of the season is the Georgia Tech win under. I just don't think they can produce anything. They it, It's only a 21-point spread. I love Clemson here. Clemson has to come in. DJ had a bad year. Dabo had a bad year, quote-unquote. I'm saying quote-unquote because for other programs, it's a great year. DJ had a bad year. They have a lot to prove here. And who else better than to go to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and make a mockery of Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has the least returning starters in the entire ACC, the least amount of players coming back from a bad team anyway. They run a gimmicky offense that does take a little time to kind of get adjusted to. Clemson should annihilate them. I don't know if Georgia Tech scores here. I don't know if Georgia Tech scores a point in this game. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. When we get back, lots more to do. I have some NFL news as the... Uh, really, the NFL season is just fast approaching. It's really coming up quick. And I got a couple of news and notes on other things as well. All that and more right after this, right here on Wagering. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds brings us to the Heisman Trophy and the updated odds. CJ Stroud is two to one. Bryce Young is four to one. Caleb Williams is six to one. DJ from Clemson, 25 to one. Will Anderson's 30 to one, along with Dylan Gabriel, 40 to one. Trayvon Henderson, 40 to one. Tyler Van Dyke. 40 to 1 Bijan Robinson. And after that, everybody's about 50 to 1 or more. That is what are the odds? And I stopped right there, by the way, on the Heisman uh, odds. I stopped right there because it, it really it would take a massive push for somebody else to get it. Look, you could do it. You know, you could take a long shot guy here or there. You could take somebody and say, uh, like a Hartman from Wake Forest was getting a little bit of attention. You could take somebody like that and sort of make that push and, and uh, make it be an aggressive type of situation. You can go that route, you know, if you really wanted to. It's just not a smart thing to do, right? I mean, I, that, that, that's just reality. It's just not a smart thing to do. You take one of these top guys, you sort of just roll with the top guys, and and that's that. I mean, that that's where you you have to go. And there is not a lot of value here when you're talking about the top, top guys. But it drops off pretty quick. Look, Stroud at two to one. Um, if you're asking me right now who's my Eisman Trophy winner, I'm saying C.J. Stroud. I have talked all offseason how I think that Ohio State score sends the message to the league and sets all sorts of scoring records, which they did last year. But they basically have all of their base back, all of their playmakers back, including their quarterback, their top receivers. They, they have everybody back from a team that was young last year. They were young and still went out there and still set all of these records. So I think that they, they absolutely obliterate records. I think that this is a team that's going to score like 50 a game. Bryce Young is always in the mix now. It was, for, a long, for a long time there, Alabama quarterbacks were just a bad bet. They were a bad bet to do Really anything. I mean, Alabama and quarterbacks were just not good, but recently we've seen that completely change. I mean, completely and utterly changed. From two would have macked it, and now Bryce Young at four to one. Caleb Williams, to me, is a guy that is just well overranked here. He's six to one because of what they expect. They expect Rank Lincoln Riley to come in here and perform miracles, to perform ridiculous things that we have not seen. We have not seen Caleb Williams become Heisman eligible, you know, that Heisman name at all. It's pure speculation. 
We don't know if Lincoln Riley could come in and walk into a team and just automatically take over. We don't know if if he could walk in to a team and change the culture. We we don't know. We don't know any of that. DJ out of Clemson, like I said, he was supposed to be one of the guys last year. He certainly has the talent, but he fell flat on his face. Now at 25 to 1 odds, he may be a guy. Because if I gave you 25 to 1 odds last year, you would have sat around and told me, you know what? That's pretty decent odds. Last year, you would have taken a shot. But we've all watched him on the field, and he has failed on the field. Will Anderson, one of the best defensive players that we've seen in a long time. This guy is going to be fantastic. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft, but here we go. Throughout the history of the Heisman, how many defensive players have won the Heisman? Yeah, exactly. You're going up against ridiculous history here. I can't take that even at 30 to 1. Dylan Gabriel, you have to believe that Oklahoma is still going to continue their ridiculous offensive success. You have to believe that with all the changes there, they're going to just continue to just absolutely dominate. you got to believe that they're going to continue to own that conference. You could believe all that, and still 30-1 to 1 isn't enough there. Trayvon Henderson, uh, no, not for me, uh, especially, you know, even if it, it was completely on a team with C.J. Stroud, no. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, he's getting a lot of love at 40-1. to 1. A lot of love at 40-1. to 1. I just don't think Miami's going to be good enough. He is an explosive player. I don't think he's going to be good enough. And you get into like a B. John Robinson out of Texas. Yeah, I, I I just look at the Heisman very close to what I look at the MVP now. Where, let's just be real, it's a quarterback award. And and it, it's a shame that it's become that. I mean, I remember the days of, you know, Rocket Ishmael and uh, Eric Bieniemy losing to Ty Detmer. I, I could go all the way back there. It would just take one of these out-of-control, mind-blowing unbelievable kind of performances from one of these guys to steal it away from one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, can it happen? Sure. You know, the Heisman Trophy is no longer the best player. Even a guy like Keenan Reynolds years ago at Navy had every record, everything. He was the entire offense, led the team in rushing, led the team in passing. Uh, Navy was a good team. They were bold. It didn't even get invited. Why? Because now you have to be a quarterback and you have to be a quarterback on a superior team. So go through the list of top 25 teams. You got you know, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe a USC they're hoping to get in there. These are the guys that are going to be there. It's going to be from one of those teams. So while the, the odds are really short on a CJ Stroud, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Odds are short on a young. It makes sense that they're one too. Makes a lot of sense. I don't normally bet on the Heisman because of exactly that. Eisman has become a quarterback on a national championship team sort of award. You can't win it unless you're on a top team. You can't win it unless you're a quarterback. That's just reality. That's just the way that it is right now. So when you start to, to break that down, you're not going to get any kind of value in any way, shape, or form. I'm not, I'm just not taking it. I, look, you, you can make an argument that maybe a Big 12 team gets into this thing. Uh, maybe Notre Dame, right? Maybe Notre Dame could, could kind of force their way into this thing. I have argued Utah could possibly force their way into this thing. A lot of people like Slovis. I, I, I love the quarterback from Tennessee. I think he's going to be great, but he's just not going to be in the title game. And if he's not in the title game, I think it's going to be a really, really, really difficult climb uh, to sit back and talk about a guy that isn't in the SEC championship game, isn't in the national championship picture, isn't in the bowl game Final Four, they're not there. And if they're not there, if they're not in that grouping, I just don't see them getting into the Heisman conversation. So I will stay away from the Heisman there. It's kind of the same thing with the MVP. And we've gone over the NFL MVP a couple of times, and it's all quarterbacks. You know, you got to rattle off about 10 quarterback names before you even get to a running back, and it's going to be a quarterback. It's going to be a quarterback on a superior team. Look, I, I've told you guys, I'll take a shot at maybe Trevor Lawrence, right, um, because of the ridiculous odds. And I, I you, you were getting Trevor Lawrence at 70 to 1, 50 to 1. Now he's all the way down to like 35 to 1 because it's quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's just going to be quarterback, and it's going to be quarterbacks from winning teams, not that Lawrence is going to be one. So go ahead, name the winning teams in the league. Josh Allen, Buffalo. Herbert, Chargers, right? Stafford, Rams, Brady and the Bucks, Mahomes and the Chiefs, uh, uh, Lamar and Baltimore. Go down the list. 
Burrow and Cincinnati. Go down the list. Every team that's going to be good, Rodgers and Green Bay, every team that's going to be good, their quarterback is on among the MVP list. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to get kind of outthink yourself, right? You don't want to go out there and outthink yourself. But I did want to talk about Offensive Player of the Year. This is something different. This is something that you can get a little bit of value because a lot of a lot of players um, can win this award without being a quarterback. We've seen it happen before. You look at the Offensive Player of the Year. By the way, I hate to bet on awards that people vote on. Okay, I just can't stand it. But you look at, at the Offensive Player of the Year. Last year, Cooper Cup won it. Barely got an MVP sniff. Barely got it. And I talk about this all the time. The Cooper Cup last year showed me why you flat out do not bet on anybody but a quarterback to win. And you could go back years ago where McCaffrey had a huge year, Henry had a huge year, uh, 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 Michael Thomas had huge years, and they they didn't even they barely were in competition for an MVP. But offensive player of the year, they certainly are. Cooper Cup won it last year. Derrick Henry won it the year before that. Michael Thomas won it the year before that. Then you had Mahomes, and they had Todd Gurley before that. So we've had three years in a row where a non-quarterback has won Offensive Player of the Year, four of the last five years where an offensive player has not won Rookie of the Year. In years past, DeMarco Murray, 2014, 2012, Adrian Peterson, 2009, Chris Johnson, 2006, LaDainley Tomlinson, 2005, Sean Alexander, 2003, Jamal Lewis, 2002, Priest Holmes, 2001, 2000, actually, 99, 2000, 2001, Marshall Falk, 98, Terrell Davis, 97, Barry Sanders, 96, Terrell Davis. I mean, we went through a stretch of 96 to 2003, all running backs. Then Peyton Manning brought that up, and then two more running backs in a row. So we went we went through a stretch there, Offensive Player of the Year, where eight guys in a row that were running backs won it. Eight, uh, and then and then nine of ten years, and then ten of twelve years running backs. Then he had Brady Breeze back to back and went back to a running back. And he had Brady Breeze back to back and went back to a running back. And he had Manning running back, Cam and Ryan running back, Mahomes running back, running back, wide receiver. So if you are looking to take a shot, and I see people do this all the time, I want to take a shot at an MVP because you love a guy like a Cooper Cup, you think he's going to repeat. Uh, or or you love, you know, CMC to come back or Jonathan Taylor to come back or, or whatever it might be. People going out there and you take a shot and you go, oh, I'm going out there. I'm, I'm going to take a stab at somebody. Okay, well, you're going to take a stab at somebody. You're going to take a shot. You're going to go down that road. You're going to do all that. And you're going to do it for MVP. They don't have a chance at MVP. Just don't do it. Don't go near the NFL MVP if you like a non-quarterback. Because they could have a Cooper Cup year, which was a historical season. They could have a Michael Thomas year, historical year. They could have a Derrick Henry year, historical season. You could have historical years, break all kinds of records, and not win the MVP. You could do that. So you don't want to take an MVP shot. But, hold on, that doesn't mean that you can't go out there and you can't really make a good a good amount of money on Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, look, Rodgers, Rodgers, Jackson, Mahomes, Brady, Ryan, Newton, Rodgers, Manning. Got to go back to 2012 to find a running back. Oh, before that, Rodgers, Brady, Manning, Manning, Brady. So since 2007, we had one non-quarterback win. One non-quarterback since 2007, and you got to go all the way back to 2012. Right? I, I mean, you know, you're talking about the last 10 MVPs have been quarterbacks. And, and you're just not going to see a non-quarterback. So don't go near the MVP running. But Offensive Player of the Year? Okay. So here we go. Now let's talk about Offensive Player of the Year. Well, Offensive Player of the Year odds are quite different. Because Jonathan Taylor, a non-quarterback, is leading the way. Jonathan Taylor, a non-quarterback, is 10 to 1 odds. Debo Samuel's 10 to 1. Cooper Cup is 12 to 1. Derrick Henry's 14 to 1. Justin Jefferson is 15 to 1. Josh Allen and Devontae Adams, 18 to 1. Josh Allen, the first quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is 20 to 1. Nick Chubb is 20 to 1. Justin Herbert, 20 to 1. 22 to 1. Lamar Jackson, 25 to 1. Joe Burrow, Christian McCaffrey, 28 to 1. Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, 30 to 1 is Jamar Chase, Jalen Hurts, Dalvin Cook, 
40 to 1 Trey Lance and Travis Kelsey. So you can kind of see what is going on when, when guys vote for awards, and I say this all the time, betting on somebody else to vote for an award, when they're voting for awards, they're saying, you know what, the MVP is their award. And it, it kind of happened in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, you just don't see a pitcher win the MVP very often. I know Clemens did it uh, you know, in the 80s. I know that Kershaw did it not long ago. You just don't see it happen often because Major League Baseball writers in the back of their mind or sometimes in the front of their mind say, Cy Young is your award. That's your award, and you have that. We're going to give it to a hitter. Well, it's become that the MVP is a quarterback award. But a lot of guys don't want to vote for a quarterback for Offensive Player of the Year because they feel like, ah, you know what? You got your MVP. Here's Offensive Player of the Year. So we're going to go down this track. So, look, let's let's look at some of the names here. Taylor, Debo, Cup, Henry, Jefferson, Allen, Devontae, Mahomes, Chubb, Herbert, Jackson, Burrow, McCaffrey, Murray, Rogers, Chase, Hurts, Cook, Lance, and Kelsey. Let's just, for this argument, take all the quarterbacks out for the reasons that I just went over. Let's just take all the quarterbacks out and say, all right, they're going to be the MVP award, uh, but all of the quarterbacks are going to sit back and and not be in the offensive. I, I mean, you know, look, you, you could maybe take a Josh Allen at 18 to one instead of where he is at MVP. You can do that, kind of outthink yourself. I, I'm just not, I'm not buying that. So we have running backs, wide receivers, and one tight end. I'm taking Travis Kelsey out of this thing. Not because I don't love Travis Kelsey, but we have watched Travis Kelsey just dominate year after year after year at the tight end position. He's now 33 years old, right? And he is in that danger zone for any player, but he's in that danger zone for tight ends. You can tell me he's got one more year left. Yeah, in that offense, sure. He's got one more year left with with this kind of system, sure. Doesn't have Tyreek Hill. You want to have a good year? Sure. Here's the problem. When Travis Kelsey went out there, okay, and in 2020, had 1,416 yards and 11 touchdowns in just 15 games with 105 receptions, didn't win, didn't win offensive player. When he had 1,336 yards and 103 receptions and 10 touchdowns in 2018, didn't win. So he's had monster seasons. And I know you can't compare one year to the next because who's going to be there. But I, you got to think, if Kelsey has a Kelsey type of year, he's going to have 11, 1,200 yards, about 10 touchdowns. He's going to need fifteen or 1,600 yards and like 15 touchdowns to win this award. It's just not feasible to me. It's just not a feasible situation to me. I don't think you can look at that. So I'm taking him out. So we have running backs and wide receivers. Let's talk wide receivers because there have not been a lot of wide receivers. It took Cooper Cup and Michael Thomas to have massive, just unbelievable, mind-blowing type of years. Now, you could say Jamar Chase could be in the running, and I like Jamar Chase a lot. I like Joe Burrow a lot. The Cincinnati team, the Cincinnati team, and I went over this for a while, they were a run-first team last year. They wanted to run the ball first. He also has Higgins. He also has Boyd. There were just a lot of options there that I wouldn't be going at 30 to one odds. It's not enough to tempt me for him. Devontae Adams, all eyes are going to be on Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is going to be a guy that if he has success, he will overshadow his quarterback, which has not happened in the past. But again, I give you the Travis Kelsey model where Devontae Adams has not won player of the year. Okay. And I know he's with a new team and everything, but Devontae Adams two years ago had 1,500 100 yards, 123 receptions, and 11 touchdowns. Didn't win it. The year before that, 1,374 yards, 115 receptions, 18 touchdowns. Didn't win it. He's got another year in 2018, 111 receptions, eight, uh, 1,386 yards, 13 touchdowns. Didn't win it. So he's got monster years, 1,500 yards. 18 touchdowns, 120-some-odd receptions. Didn't win it. So what does he need? What do, what do you need to win this award? You know, what kind of unbelievable season does a wide receiver need to win this award? Well, Cooper Cup did it last year. Cooper Cup had 145 receptions. That's 22 more than anything Devontae Adams has ever had. 
He had 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns. Mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling. The numbers that he had to put up to win the, uh, the player of the year, offensive player of the year. Michael Thomas, you go look at Michael Thomas, who set all kinds of records just a couple of years ago. He had 149 receptions, 1,725 yards and nine touchdowns. So I take Devontae Adams out of this, not because I don't like Devontae Adams, but because you, in order to win Offensive Player of the Year as a wide receiver, you need 140-some-odd receptions. You need to close in on 2,000 yards, and you got to have you know, 14, 15 touchdowns more than likely. Which brings us to Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson. I'll start off with Debo Samuel, who I, I, I'm shocked is 10 to 1 odds. Because I don't think he's going to run as much. The The idea with Debo Samuel is that he's got great receiving yards, but he's going to run a lot. I just don't think so in this offense. You have a running quarterback. There's a run-first team. I don't think so in this offense that he should any be anywhere near this. And you have Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. Well, Justin Jefferson has already said in the preseason, well, now I know how Cooper Cup is so wide open, right? Which is kind of a backhanded compliment. But I, I now know. And Justin Jefferson has had two great years. Two fantastic years, but he hasn't had record-breaking years, and it is a new head coach. Um, I think they're going to throw a lot. I think Justin Jefferson, at 15-1 to 1 odds, would be a guy that I'm circling. Yeah, he should be on your list. He's the guy, I think, out of the wide receivers I would be taking, but it's not enough for 15-1. to 1. Then you got Cooper Cup, and the question is, can Cooper Cup do this again? And the answer is just simply, guys, he's not. He's not going to do it again. Um as much as I like Cooper Cup, and I've liked this guy from college. Yeah, I actually watched him in college because I like those kind of schools. Uh, I, I liked him in college. And Cooper Cup's a guy that I had on my fantasy team for years. But look, before last season, I know he had a different a, a different quarterback. But before last season, you were hoping for what he gave you in 2019. About 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. So if he has a slight regression this year, you're talking instead of 145 receptions, let's say he comes back to the 125. Instead of 1,900 yards, let's say he gets to like 16 or 17. Instead of 16 touchdowns, let's say he gets to like 13 touchdowns. Guys, that's a, a fantastic year. That's a Devontae Adams year where he didn't win the, uh, the, the award. So I'm writing off all of the wide receivers. Justin Jefferson would be the only one that I would come close to. Now let's look at the running backs. And the running backs can get interesting. Dalvin Cook, if he stayed healthy, I would believe in him. But he doesn't stay healthy. Okay. Um, you look at a Nick Chubb. Well, if Nick Chubb didn't have Kareem Hunt, but Nick Chubb has Kareem Hunt there. Derrick Henry, well, you know what? If if Derrick Henry does it, he's he's done it before. If Derrick Henry is healthy and his foot isn't a problem, yes, Derrick Henry can do this. But Derrick Henry needed one of those unbelievable seasons. Now his offense is a little bit less because he doesn't have a passing threat out there. He is coming off of an, a, a foot injury, which is not something to just glance over. Derrick Henry is also a guy that you look at and you go, when he won it, he had to go for 2,000 yards. I don't know if Tennessee wants to run him into the ground like that. The same thing for Christian McCaffrey. Coming off an injury, an older guy. And when Christian McCaffrey was at his most elite, he still didn't win this. Which leaves us with one player. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is leading the odds at 10 to one for a reason. Jonathan Taylor had a year last year that if Cooper Cup didn't exist, I believe he would have won the award last year. I believe that Jonathan Taylor would have won this had Cooper Cup not existed in that kind of ridiculous year. So Jonathan Taylor makes a lot of sense, but Jonathan Taylor also would have to repeat what he did last year, which I think is going to be a really tough feat to kind of compete with exactly what you did last year. Offensive player of the year, it makes sense to say Jonathan Taylor. Justin Jefferson makes a little sense, but is it worth the odds? If you're asking me now, Jefferson makes some sense. Jonathan Taylor makes some sense. If you want to go crazy and you want to go 50 to one or more, Javante Williams, if Melvin Gordon takes a step back, Javante Williams could be the guy. Unless we're sitting back and we're looking at another historic year from either a running back or a wide receiver. I just don't think it's going to happen. It'll, ha it'll happen sometime in the future. These are not, are, are not unbreakable records. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. With that said, let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. We can't bet to the future without looking back at our past, but 
I got to tell you, I'm looking at a guy that might be on the last of his great run, but there's still some value here. Let's talk about bet to the future. The number Travis Kelsey over under 1,075 and a half receiving yards. I think that this is a low number. This is the lowest number I've seen in Travis Kelsey in a long time. That is bet to the future. I wanted to bring up Kelsey because, you know, he is a polarizing guy, especially when you're talking about daily fantasy, fantasy leagues, also season totals. 33 years old, people expect a drop-off, but we're talking about, you know, he doesn't even need to get 1,100 yards. Um, last year in 16 games, meaning he, he missed a game, he beat this projection by 50 yards. 14, 16, 12, 29, 13, 36 1,030. You got to go back to 2017 when, oh, by the way, he missed two games and only missed it by like 40 yards. 2016, he went over. He's had one year, one year since 2015 where he didn't go over this total. He missed, he would have two extra games this year and he only missed that by about 40 yards. You know, I don't know if I'm going to take the touchdowns, right? His touchdown numbers are a little, a little up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kelsey, come on, uh, come on. That, that's a layup to me. That's a layup to me, even at 33 years old. All right. I want to touch on a couple of preseason notes here and cuts and things like that, that may impact us. Whether you realize it or not, let's go to the AFC East where OJ Howard was cut this week. Now that means for you prop players out there, Dawson Knox is the immediate, immediate, okay, we were too low on him. Dawson Knox is going to be the immediate bump up. But Gabe Davis gets a bump up as well as Isaiah McKenzie because they're going to play the slot. And when you're talking about getting those touchdowns, look, he had nine touchdowns. Knox had nine touchdowns on 40, uh, 49 receptions last year. That is an interesting one when you're talking about, okay, who could steal some? Knox is the immediate, okay, yeah, it's going to be him. But there are some interesting guys there as well. Um, Sony Michelle gone from the Miami Dolphins. I don't want to say it's a shocking release, but that one is, is a little interesting as well. Anything that you were going to do on Zach Wilson, he might be able to be there for week one, but come bring him down because they may keep him out longer than that for sure. JK Dobbins, look, he avoided the pup list, but everything that I hear and everything is that look, he, he's just going to be a slow buildup. I don't think he's going to be out for week one, but he's going to have limited touches, I think, for the first four or five weeks. Now, they did waive a rookie that they drafted into the sixth round, Tyler Beatty. So that, that's something. And they did sign Kenyon Drake. Just uh, that's a head scratcher. Now, Cincinnati, they're reportedly going to sign O.J. Ha- uh, uh, Howard. Uh, you know, look, Hurst is already there. We already mentioned Chase is option one. Higgins is option two. Mixon is option three. Um Boyd is option four. Hurst is option five. I, I'm not doing anything with O.J. Howard. It, it, it really, look, let's be honest. It, it just does, does nothing for me. It does nothing for me one way or the other. Uh, you go over to Pittsburgh, no, nothing nothing really signings or drops, but Kenny Pickett is completing more than 80% of his preseason passes. You got to look at Kenny Pickett. You got to look at some of those numbers, and you might be able to find some value on Kenny Pickett because I think he does steal the job. Talk about stealing a job. Damian Pierce has absolutely taken over the role. Marlon Mack was released. So it's Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead. I mean, that's really what it is, which means Damian Pierce season is here. He is going to absolutely be priced where he's a number one running back. But as far as the totals that the odds makers set, you could get some decent totals if you can find them on Damian Pierce. Mo Alley-Cox is looking like another name that people are kind of jumping all over. Uh, LaVishka Chenault was traded from Jacksonville over to the Panthers. I think Chenault has all kinds of potential. Just didn't show it, which means now Christian Kirk obviously is the number one. We knew that, but Laquan Treadwell was also going to be that guy. Oh, Treadwell's going to... No, no, no. They released him as well. So suddenly, here we go. Christian Kirk is number one with a bullet, and you can get other guys after that. Christian Kirk season is officially, officially here. Um, you go to the AFC West, good things from KJ Hamler. If you believe in his speed and what they can add there, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Brandon Bolden 
is looking to maybe be that guy that is just really annoying this year, <laughs> right? That steals things there here and there. Don't forget about Isaiah Spiller with the Chargers. He's a good late-round add. Uh, it wouldn't shock me, though, if they added a guy like Sonny Michelle. He was visiting with the Chargers. That makes a lot of sense as that kind of thunder and lightning combination if you really want to want to use those kind of hyperboles. How about in Philadelphia where Miles Sanders is still not practicing? Yeah, we're... we're we're closing in. It's September, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's September. He's still not practicing, which means Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott will absolutely steal some things. We know everything that happened in Washington. Our hearts go out to Robinson. Uh, they didn't They didn't say he's going to miss the year, but you just assume he's going to miss a year. Antonio Gibson becomes the lead back there. They cut Jared Patterson. Uh, they kept Jonathan Williams. It's it's Antonio Gibson all the way um, when, when you're talking about who's going to get the, the monster share there. It's it's something that you don't want to capitalize on, right? You don't want to jump on, but you have to if you're looking to make money. LaVishiga Chenault uh, comes over. He's on Carolina. I think it's a good ad. I, look, DJ Moore is going to be fantastic, uh, but he's not completely healthy. Robbie Anderson is right now going to be their number two. Chenault can kind of carve out a nice little role for himself. I think LaVishiga Chenault is a guy you look at and you go, yeah, he can, he can certainly become something there. And then you go to Seattle where it's now said, who knows what's coming? When you're talking about Seattle and Pete Carroll, who knows what's going on in Seattle because they keep things so so tight to the vest. It really is kind of annoying a little bit, but we don't know anything about that, about what's going on in Seattle, except that Kenneth Walker, they're saying we're going to take it day by day. Hey, at least it's not week by week or he's out for an extended absence. It doesn't look like he's going to be. Not a guy that I'm banking on. Not a guy I'm putting any prop plays on. Not a guy I'm taking in long-term fantasy leagues. But daily fantasy, look, when he comes back, especially with Rashad Penny and his injury history, he might be a guy that you could steal for a lower amount. All right, guys, enjoy college football week. Next time we talk, oh, yeah, it's full NFL week one look. I'm pumped up. I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm going to be real excited. Enjoy your three-day weekend, everybody. Enjoy your five-day college football week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.